This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Geekscapists. Welcome to a brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm Jonathan London, your host. And if this is your first Geekscape, well, you're in for a treat. This one is actually a live recording of my conversation with Steve Burns. Steve hosted Blues Clues for six years, and I was honored to sit on the main stage with him and moderate his panel, a little bit of audience Q&A, some one-on-one, and talk to him about the experience of getting Blues Clues, the six years he spent on Blues Clues, and his life after Blues Clues. We talk a lot about self-doubt, mental health, and also the amazing experience of having a whole audience grow up with you. If you're a longtime Geekscape listener, well, I kind of know that experience. A lot of y'all have grown up with us. Also, I don't know if you caught it, but we had a fantastic live stream on Friday, benefiting Big Brothers and Big Sisters. The link to donate is still up, so you can still be a part of that. You can still give to charity. Search for the link on Geekscape social media, and you will definitely find it. All right, Geekscapists, enjoy my conversation with Steve. What's up, everybody? How are y'all doing? Y'all excited to talk to Steve? (laughs) Steve, how does that make you feel, having people that grew up with you greet you out here on stage, grow up with you, and and tell you stories? What are some of the stories that have touched you over the years where you're like, wow, I'm never going to forget that one? Well, those are two questions. (laughs) Uh, I think it's awesome this kind of thing is, I don't know, um, I think it's pretty remarkable, and to me it feels really pretty special. I can't think of anything else like this. You know, we started talking to each other like 20-some years ago, right? Um, In a way that even though it was highly mediated, you know, through a television or whatever, it felt immediate to me. And uh, it just seems pretty special that we are able, all of these years later, to kind of reconnect and continue the conversation. 
at different, totally different parts of our lives, it just feels kind of awesome to me and feels pretty special to me. Um, and I always say, like, I don't know any of you, I don't think, I've never met any of you in person, but this does feel like talking to old friends. So, so thanks, thanks for coming out. And your second question is stories, you know, there's a million of them. But my favorite, um, my favorite piece of fan mail I ever got was uh, from a kid named uh, Jonathan. And it said, Dear Steve, I love you. I want to be a pizza. <laughs> love, Jonathan. <laughs> me too! First of all, that's right, me too, Jonathan. Second of all, it always bothered me all these years. I'm always hoping to run into him. Because I'm like, I spent every day telling Jonathan that if he used his mind and took a step at a time, he could literally be anything that he wanted to be. And I just worry about him now. <laughs> I'm worried if he's like in a bathtub somewhere, like covered in marinara sauce, you know, slicing a mushroom onto himself, you know. Jonathan, I didn't mean it literally. It's okay. I'm right here, Steve. It was you! And Dude, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. You, know you are a pizza to you me. You know how important those <laughs> words were to hear when I was younger, that I could be a pizza when I grew up? What kind of pizza would you be? Oh, me? Yeah. Oh, wow. Hey, that's a great question. Um, yet, I do like a Hawaiian pizza. I know that is kind of a controversial take, yeah. but I'm into it for sure. I don't, know, I don't know if it would be my go-to. I would be a slice. See, I'm from New York. Sorry. Hey. I would be a slice of Joe's on Bleecker Street. That's what I would be. You roll it up to eat it? You fold it. You break the crust a little bit, and then you fold it in half. <laughs> That's how you do it. I saw you do it. Well, let's talk about New York. Let's talk about pre-Blues Clues. You okay. moved to New York to be an actor. You get this audition. Take us through it, because I don't think the Steve that we saw on screen was the Steve that walked in the audition room way back when. Do you, what can you tell us? Do you remember that day? Oh, yeah. So I was almost not... This is a cool story to tell you guys. I was almost... It almost didn't happen at all, Right. Because I moved to New York City when I was, like, 21. And I moved to New York City to be a really pretentious actor. And to, like, kind of fail privately in the theater. Like, that's what I was there to do. And I got this audition for this kid's TV cartoon show. And I was doing some voiceovers at the time. Like, I was, you know, doing some of that work. And I assumed that this was to to be the voice of a cartoon. Sure. Um, and I got to tell you, if I had known it was to be on a kid's TV show, I don't know if I would have gone to that audition because I was like, I, I can't be on kid's TV. I've never thought about being, I'm not an educator or something. So I went to that audition thinking that it was f to be a voice. And when I got there, there was a camera in the room and I thought, oh, I guess I better do some stuff. And the, uh, the script, the original script, the pilot script for Blue's Clues is written very much more 
like a like a game show almost a little bit more like um which one is the triangle do you know you guessed it you know and i was like oh no way man i'm i moved to new york city to be al pacino i'm gonna act the hell out of this so, <laughs> so there is a camera in the room right so if the camera is here and if this is too close to the camera i was here like i was in it and i was like which one is the triangle? Like, do you know? Like, I was, like, so in there. Like, I was, like, way over the top with it. And I remember watching um, uh, Angela and Tracy, the, the women who created the show, I remember watching their reaction. They were like... Huh. <laughs> and so they liked what I was doing, right? Um... And I remember they called me. <laughs> they called me for my callback, right? They called me. They're like, hey, man, we like what you're doing. Do you own a clean shirt? <laughs> Were you, like, living on St. Mark's Place or something like that? Like, I, I was living in a shelf, like, uh, in Times Square. You know, I had long hair and earrings. So I was like a skate punk. And, um, but they liked what I was doing. But Nickelodeon didn't. Nickelodeon was like, he was weird. And we want, and this is a quote, like, we want someone more conventionally handsome to, to play the role. And so uh, they kind of wanted, I can kind of see their point. Like, they kind of wanted, like, a heartthrobby guy. Like, I can kind of see why they would want that sort of thing. So it basically came down to me and a couple other people were they heartthrob looking? Did Ish. you ever see them? Yeah, I, I still know one of them. <laughs> but um, uh, it came down to me and just a few other people. And they would, the way that I got the part is they would play the tapes, the VHS tapes, for a little focus group of kids, right? And so the one guy would be like, hi, which one of these is a triangle? Do you know? And the kids would be like, It's over there. Right? And then they played mine, and I'm all like, I desperately need your help. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and the kids literally broke out. They, like, there's a video of them. They're standing up. They're smashing their hands onto the screen. They're like, oh, we have to help this guy. You know? And so the truth is, this is real. You guys got me the job. So thank you. And I don't think Ryan Gosling would have been a good choice anyway. Actually, he'd have been pretty good. <laughs> well, you did the show for six years, six, seven years? 6,000 years, I think. <laughs> well, how did it feel? Because you're kind of growing up as well. Like, six years as a young man, like, doing a show like that, you're going through a lot of stuff, too, and you're trying to figure out, like, hey, how long is this going to work? What's my, what, what am I doing after this? Like, what's going through your mind as the years on Blue's Clues progress? And you see the, the audience age as well. Well, first of all, in terms of the audience of Blue's Clues, that was, uh, it didn't feel big to me. That's a weird thing to say. Um, but Blue's Clues was shot on a blue screen, right? So I was the only actor, I was the only person in every take of every shot every day forever. It was just me. 
and there were so many lights and things that I really couldn't see anyone else. It's like the Truman Show after it a while. Really, yeah. It really kind of was. Or how they shoot The Mandalorian now, but, but yeah. Oh, no, they have it much easier than we had it in <laughs> season one of Blue's Clues. But uh, I couldn't even really see the director most of the time, so it just felt like me and a camera. And that camera was you, right? So it felt like a very personal and small experience to me. Blue's Clues felt very small and like a very personal conversation with my friend, you know? So they would tell me like, well, you know, you're uh, kicking Sesame Street's ass. And I'd be like, what? (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. It's just a little show we do in this closet over here. Um, So it always felt, I wasn't ever really aware of, even though people would tell me that the show was in 37 countries and it was, hi, and that it was really um, uh, a big children's television show. That was never something I was able to internalize until very recently. You know, uh, what was the other part of your question? No, uh, I mean, as you're talking about it, and it's such a personal connection that you had, which is strange because you're doing it in a bit of a vacuum, I started wondering also about that Al Pacino part of you. Like, the, the part of you that you start going on through the years of doing Blue's Clues, what happened to that actor? And I know that you've done acting since, you've done serious roles, you've stretched your muscles in that way, but as you're doing Blue's Clues, what's the voice inside of you saying? Well, the voice inside of me during Blue's Clues, um, if you want the real, real, was always full of doubt, you know, because I never felt qualified to educate America's children, you know? I took it really seriously, and I always felt like, oh, hey, they might have the wrong guy. That's the way I always felt. Like, For six years. Yeah, the whole time I thought, shouldn't this be an educator who's doing this? Shouldn't this be a child development specialist who is um, sort of in charge of this important curriculum? And it wasn't just that we were teaching numbers and letters. We were also trying to convey messages of empowerment and self-esteem and, and all of this stuff. And I was like, I'm just like a skate punk who fell into the wrong audition. You know, am I really qualified to do this job? And there was a lot of, uh, a lot of doubt about that. And, um, and again, it wasn't until recently because the show was run and created by these brilliant child development specialists and, and research people, right? And they kind of left me alone <laughs> when it came to like, how to talk to the camera. That was kind of my job. They were, they were in charge of everything that could be quantified. And I was on the other side. I was on the ethereal, unquantifiable side of how to cultivate a parasocial relationship with a camera. And I was just kind of doing that from my gut, you know? And I didn't know that it would be this ever. I didn't know that it was cutting through and that I was doing my job well. Uh, until that viral video last year. (laughs) Yeah, I I feel like you learned a lot about mental health the hard way in those six years and looking back at the Steve then who had the self-doubts, maybe you battle with it still. What would you say to somebody out there who's undergoing something new or is looking to maybe do something creative or something new and they're having doubts about themselves? I I just want to keep asking you questions like, but we'll start with that one. 
and we'll just kind of talk about mental health and what you would tell that young Steve today. Um, yeah, well, you know, this is another thing, you know, I know, I know we're all here to have a great time and it's like, what, 1230 in the afternoon? But I was also um, struggling with severe depression that whole time. I didn't know that that's what was going on. You know, I didn't know that that's uh, why I was feeling the way I was feeling. Was it talked about as much as it is today? No, no, and everyone talks about it now, which I think is awesome. You know, and I think that's really great. Because, you know, what I was going through back then was not unique or special. You know, I truly believe that everyone, literally all of us, struggles in some way. I think that's unavoidable. I think that is really part of the human condition, and I think that is... Um, inherent in being a human being on planet Earth is that to some degree we're all going to struggle with life some, at some point. Um, and I was. And I, I knew that I had a really good thing going on. Like, and I knew that I loved it dearly. But my depression was feeding this self-doubt. Right? It wasn't that I was desperately sad and I was too sad to discern which of these snacks was a graham cracker. It wasn't like that. You know, but it was feeding this concept of self-doubt within me that said, you're probably not good enough to be doing this. You know, you're probably not the right guy for all of this. And it started, especially after I left the show, and every, there was this huge rumor going on forever and ever that I had died in some terrible way, and that rumor just wouldn't go away. And I was like, oh, man. So those feelings started to feel a little unmanageable in my life and that's when I literally did the thing that I did every day on Blue's Clues for three million years with, which was I sat down in front of someone and with all of the sincerity I could find said will you help me and as soon yeah let's hear it for help <laughs> and I have to tell you at least in my experience as soon as I did that uh, everything really did kind of change for me, you know. It's, it's not like I skipped through life in a field of daisies every day, you know, but um, the things in my life that felt so unmanageable are totally within my capacities to handle, you know. But it was just, there was so much resistance to asking for that help. And if I could, if I could say if there's anything I learned from Steve from Blue's Clues is that there is no shame in asking for help if you need it. Especially... Especially now, right, during the holidays, this is the hardest time of all. So it really is, right? It is. So How close did you get to your therapist when you asked that question, though? <laughs> Were you like, help you me, help please? Me. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, let's talk about it, because you made a video in the, during the pandemic that went viral, where you played yourself again, grown up, and talked to us as people you'd grown up with, in different phases of our lives. What was the thought process going into that video? What was the need going into that video? Where did that come from? Well, that was um, because Blue's Clues was celebrating a 25th anniversary. And they kind of reached out and said, Steve, we'd love for you to be involved. And I said, of course, I'd love to, to do something. And I, I was directing a music video for them. And, uh, and there was this notion of maybe you should do like a special message and I was like oh hold my beer <laughs> like I just immediately knew what to do like I knew that I wanted to talk to you guys see Blue's Clues was cool 
because it spoke to four-year-olds at their level of understanding, right? Without condescending, with tremendous respect. Mr. Rogers did that too, right? So I wanted to do the same thing, but just age it up, you know? And instead of talking to a four-year-old about shapes and colors, it's like, let's talk to a millennial about life and about adulting and about how hard this year has been for literally everyone. And I wanted to just bring that same sense of respect and caregiven conversation and intentional, thoughtful listening that Blue's Clues had and just talk to y'all one-to-one as peers, you know? And that was a weird hybrid thing for me because it felt like I was Steve, but it also felt like I was Steve Burns, you know? And that was a really healing moment for me because I needed that conversation too. You know, and uh, it meant as much to me as it meant to you guys. And, and when it took off and went crazy and everything, um, it was really wonderful for me because I'm like, oh, they know that I'm not dead. <laughs> and they're happy about it. <laughs> so thank you guys. Like, the, the response to that was amazing. So thank you. Well, Steve, you've already talked to Jonathan who became a pizza you've already talked to the audience but maybe we hear from some of them as well let's open oh, it yeah, up sure. to some questions there's some people hopping around you pick them I'll repeat the question if I can hear it oh boy alright you right there hi I'm not going to be able to hear you Okay. Ollie says thank you and has a question. You got a microphone coming your way, Ollie. All right. Sounds good. All right. So my question is, I know a lot of people during the pandemic, we already struggled with our mental health enough, but how did you deal with yours during the pandemic? How did I deal with what? How did you deal with your mental health during the pandemic, Steve? Since you did mention, you know, depression and all that. Oh, um... You know, I mean, I don't want to get too much into, uh, you, you know, like the psychology of what I do to handle my particular issues because everyone is uh, completely on their own path and their own journey. But um, I will say that here's a strategy that never worked for me, right? And that is the fight it thing where you're just like, Oh, whatever. Grow up. Don't worry about this. You know, put on your big boy pants. Just ignore these feelings. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? You shouldn't be having these feelings anyway. They are not important. That is a poor strategy, right? That has never worked for me. Another thing that has never worked for me is the, you know, kind of draw yourself a nice hot bath of your own sadness and kind of sit in it and wait for people to notice. Also bad. What does, what has helped me is facing it, addressing it in some way, right? And finding ways to put a little distance between the feeling you're having and your response to that feeling. Because in that space is where the magic is. So, but I'm going to say it again. The first thing, the first thing for me was to ask for help. And help doesn't mean, you know, you go find a zillion dollar therapist. Talk to your friends. Talk to anyone you trust. Talk to anyone you love. And also, if you're a person who's feeling good, be someone who listens. 
That's also good. She says, thank you, of course. Um, next question. Who are you? Uh, I apologize. We might have to just keep going with the front row because really can't hear. Yeah, we got to get to the microphone, too. Uh, there's someone who's green right here. It's, I believe that's a, either a She-Hulk or an I Alphabet. think that's Gamora. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's Gamora, Gamora right there. It's Gamora. The most dangerous person in the galaxy. Huh? <laughs> yes, that is true. Hi. I did not Hi. think I'd get this far. Um, so at my school, there are very few Jewish kids, I being one of them. And my friends who are underclassmen came up to me and said, we're finally doing it. We are starting a Jewish students club. And we're going to call it Jews Clues. <laughs> so, she so wants I to know told, how much she owes you. That is there uh, financially so much that. comedy waiting there. Yes. So I told them, you know that blue dog? Put a blue yarmulke on it and make it your mascot. And they did. So thank you. Oh no, thank you. Because now thank we you. have a Jewish students club. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait to hear the games that that you play. <laughs> Please, yes. <laughs> All right, who else? Anybody else have a question? Let's go this way. How about you in the van's hoodie? You just want to see the microphone guy run back and forth, don't you? And I know that I, I know it's not really a question, and I know haven't really been watching Boys School as much, but I'm happy that seeing you and Los Angeles Comic Con as part of mine or our childhood. So I'm just happy to see you and. Comic-Con general. What's your name? Thank you for being part of our childhood. I'm Sydney Weiss. Cindy? Yes. Cindy, I'm happy to see you too at Los Angeles Comic-Con. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> oh, man. This is going to feel bad. Like, I don't want to... I I okay, go ahead. Yes. Let's do one more. I saw on your Instagram you follow Marvel Studios. What is your Mount Rushmore of Marvel movies? That's a big one, Steve. Boy, I am a fan of movies or heroes. I mean, now you're asking. There's so many questions there. Some movies? of them have multiple movies, so you're gonna have to. Uh, okay, of the yeah. movies. Ooh. Hello. I think the original Iron Man is about a perfect film. Okay. Mount um, Rushmore has four places on it, so you got three more. Uh, Captain America, First Avenger. That's a really good movie. Endgame's great. First Guardians is hilarious. It's awesome. I can't. There's so many more. I love Winter Soldier. is also awesome. Like, I don't know. I and can't. Get I can't. The, big Avengers the answer movies. is I can't. There's the, Endgame, Infinity War, the big ones where they all come together. Black Panther. Uh, yeah. It's that's tough. a beautiful film. Yeah, that's really hard. I actually can't. Yeah, he okay. says it's awesome to hear what you like. Yes, that's a great question. Well, Steve, I think they told us that this was the, our last question. Uh, we got to wrap up. You do have a signing. You do have an appearance coming up. Where can people find you online or here at the con? Oh, I'm pretty bad at social media, but I have an Instagram, I guess. It's uh, Steve Burns Alive. <laughs> Hopefully, that'll convince them. <laughs> In case you were wondering, you don't have an Instagram. You have a proof of life. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we're done. In here at the convention, you, you're doing a signing? Oh, yeah, I'm doing a signing, like now. Okay. In, in 30 minutes, I'm signing autographs. And then I guess later I'm doing a photo op, too. Cool. Is that right? Cool. Well, yep. let's get you to those. Thanks, everybody, for being a part of this, asking questions. Uh, thank you, guys. Thank you all so much for coming out.
how great was Steve Burns? What an honest, candid human being. I love that I can now call Steve my friend. Y'all are also my friends, and thank you so much for listening to this. I've still got tons of content from LACC coming up on this feed. Next up, in a few days, I'm going to post my conversation with LeVar Burton, another person that we grew up with. LeVar and I had a great conversation, so you're not going to want to miss it. If you know somebody who'd be into Geekscape, please hit that share link and share it with them. Definitely subscribe if you haven't already, and leave us a five-star review on whatever podcatcher you use to listen to the show. All right. We'll be back in a few days with my conversation with LeVar Burton. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.